Welcome to the Former Scout Podcast, established in 2011 and home to news, features, opinions, and now podcasts from the world of junior single-seaters. Today's podcast episode, we are looking at the recent Formula One driver transfers and what it could mean for the junior single-seater stars who are about to make their way into Formula One. Uh, first move we heard about was Sebastian Vettel leaving Ferrari at the end of this year. Uh, and I'm going to go to Rachel first about what her thoughts are on this very unexpected move. Personally, I was a bit shocked about the news, mostly because to be honest, I don't think we were expecting it this early in the well, season. I know we haven't begun yet, but to be honest, so early. I know Ferrari had locked in Leclerc. So I know probably wanted to get a move on, but with no racing on the belt, is it just early or what? But perhaps Vettel might have seen something in testing, perhaps that he just didn't like, and that's why it didn't come together in the end, maybe. Yeah, and Craig, what do you think? Yeah, it, the more and more I think about it, the more and more it makes sense to me. Um, obviously, Vettel's got um, a young family now. Um, he's got three children, I believe, um, now. He's uh, obviously not had the best time as of late, um, to, put it, to put it kindly, uh, at Ferrari. And being in, in this lockdown situation might have given him a chance to sort of reassess his life and I think for Ferrari to to reassess where where they're going for the future as well and when the moment that um, Leclerc was signed for, for five years or whatever it was it became dead apparent that that is where Ferrari's future is and not with Sebastian Vettel so to, to me it's making more and more sense the more I think about it but it still definitely comes as a shock Definitely. I think uh, whenever a driver of, um, so, you know, a driver so decorated decides to um, move team or quit Formula One altogether, it's always a, a bit of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I think this was always going to happen, though, wasn't it? It was just a case of when rather than if. I think pretty much since 2018, um, you probably look at the German Grand Prix, obviously, when, when Vettel went off, things quickly went downhill from there. Um, they obviously brought in Charles Leclerc. And I think if Vettel hadn't done, or if Vettel had perhaps won that 2018 title, then perhaps Leclerc might have had another year at, you know, at Alfa Romeo. Obviously, he, he didn't win that title. They needed a, a new person in the team. Leclerc came in, and obviously, it's no surprise to, to any of us who had watched him come up the junior single-season categories, who was absolutely you know, fantastic. Um, and then I think the, the Italian Grand Prix last year really sort of showed the... You know, Leclerc took his second straight win, beat Hamilton in a straight fight, while Vessel, you know, had that awful spin and, and rejoining into Lance Stroll. So I think his fate was was sealed back in 2018 and it was kind of cemented, um, you know, pretty much guaranteed really um, at the end of last year. So, yeah, a shame for Vessel, but hopefully now with a few uh, bits of rejigging, it's going to give a few young guys uh, a bit more of a chance. Yeah, hopefully uh, a few inexperienced drivers will come in in place of the massive amount of experience that Vettel had at Ferrari and those previous teams. And obviously, Vettel joined Ferrari to win a title, and that is something he has not done yet. Could still win in 2020. We, we really don't know how this season's going to end up, but it's, it's certainly something that's not the most likely outcome from this year. And uh, the person replacing him at Ferrari, which we found out this morning, is Carlos Sainz Jr., who previously raced at Toro Rosso, went to Renault, uh, kind of got shafted there, went to McLaren, and he'll be joining Ferrari in 2021. 
Rachel, you've been following Carlos's Carlos. career. Do you think he's the right man for Ferrari? Definitely. Carlos has been around for a good few years now in Formula 1, and he's definitely proved himself. I think the way he operated at McLaren last year just showed what a class driver he really is. You could say he got a bum steer with Red Bull by being ditched by them and then switched over to Renault. But the McLaren move wasn't a bad one. It's worked out for him. That podium deal was fantastic and well-deserved for the team. And he's deserving of a chance at Ferrari. It'd be really interesting to see what he can do, especially alongside the turf. It's really exciting to have such a young driver line up with him. It's the start of a new era, I think, in Formula One. Yeah, I, I agree. It's Ferrari's youngest driver lineup in more than 50 years um, since uh, Jackie X and Chris Amon. So you have to go back a really, really long way to, to find uh, such a such a youthful pairing. Um, it's not the, the really high-profile signing that I think a lot of Ferrari fans were, were after, but Sainz has definitely established himself, especially among the, the neutrals, as a really, really good talent. And I think he's done that ever since he, he joined the F1 in 2015. Um, Obviously, it was quite weird, actually, because uh, Vettel leaving Red Bull paved the way for Science to join Toro Rosso in the first place, and now Vettel leaving Ferrari has paved the way for Science to join Ferrari. So it's a little bit weird how, how these things come about. But yeah, Science has been fantastic um, coming through the junior ranks. Obviously, he was the um, Formula Renault 3.5 champion in 2014. Um, he, he was really, really strong against Verstappen at Toro Rosso. Uh, absolutely demolished Kvyat, um when when they were teammates. Had a bit of a wobble at Renault, but um, really, really rebounded from that last year with McLaren. Um, it was absolutely by far and away the class in the midfield. So it, it's definitely going to be a, a challenge for him against Leclerc, but I don't think he's going there to be you know the the clear cut number two. I think is a lot better than that. Of course, the problem for him is though that you know we have to go back to 2008 or 2009 really to see two drivers at Ferrari that are both capable of you know challenging for wins or, or championships on a regular basis. So we'll see if he'll, he's able to to buck that trend. Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned his his Renault 3.5 win, and that was pretty decisive, wasn't it? Really, in terms of his trajectory before Formula One, because he, he was having a bit of a wobble before then. You know, he had a pretty mediocre year in GP3. He showed plenty of pace, but he was involved in quite a lot of incidents. He really got it together in 2014 with Dams. And then, like you said, compared, I thought, really well against Verstappen. It was only slightly sort of edged by him. And um, at one point, looked like he was on his way out of F1, um, but has now, you know, very deservedly um, found his way to the top of F1. Mm. And I think a good comparison to make, as well as to the youngest lineup of Ferrari's history many, many years ago, is actually to Rubens Barrichello, who joined Ferrari after looking really impressive as a young driver, but also having wobbles. Coming to F1, never being in a race-winning car as such, but still kind of making a name for himself and keeping himself in F1 long enough to get an opportunity at Ferrari. Obviously, he never won the title. He did become that number two. But given how well we know that science can perform, and I think how much he's had to raise his own game against the teammates he has had, he could certainly hold his own against the clerk and give headaches to the Ferrari management, I would put it lightly. So replacing Carlos at McLaren is none other than Daniel Ricciardo, another former Rebel junior. Uh, Rachel, what, what do you think of that move? Very interesting. 
at the moment, people are often saying it's just a sideways step from Renault to McLaren. But eventually, what with the Mercedes engines coming in next year, it could lead to something far bigger. Obviously, Ricardo's been around a long time, winner of multiple Grand Prix. Been in the Red Bull fold, he was in a factory team, effectively. So he knows how big teams operate like that and how to develop and push them forward. And it could be just that last little piece that McLaren needs to get back into regular podium contention. I think it's quite telling that um, Ricardo wanted out of Renault pretty quickly, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. Uh, obviously, 2019 was absolutely no way good enough um, after scraping fourth place in 2018. They, they slipped back um, last year, which is really the opposite of what they needed to do. Um, so in that regard, I think... Um, uh, he's making a pretty solid move, um, especially with, um, as you say, Rachel, the um, Mercedes engines in the back of the McLaren for, for next year, which could be quite quite important. Um, is is it, it's sort of environment that I think Ricardo will thrive in. Um, the, the whole ethos around McLaren has totally changed um, since the the grey walls of the Ron Dennis era. Uh, it's a much more it's a much more happy. Uh, sort of environment these days, I think. And Ricardo also, obviously, is a he, he likes a lot of his um, history as well in Formula One. So that's the sort of thing that he'll appreciate. McLaren's got such a rich history, and I, I think it, I think it's going to be a, a good move for him. Um, plus, he's nabbed loads and loads of money from Renault in the process. So in that regard, it's worked out brilliantly for him. Yeah, and he's reportedly on something like thirty million with McLaren. So, um, you know that that's pretty good. Whatever happens, I think this is very much a move. I think Rachel was alluding to it. You know, not for sort of twenty twenty one, but for hopefully when the the new regs come in the following year, or possibly even now that might be delayed till till twenty twenty three. We'll have to see. Um, so yeah, I think he's very much banking on that. On that, um, on hopefully McLaren will be in better shape. But it is a big gamble. But then I think it's not as big a gamble as when he moved from Red Bull to Renault. So. He was already kind of in the midfield. And um, I do worry about Renner's long-term commitment, really. Um, I very much think that, you know, it could be the end of road for them. And I think the biggest casualty of that would be Esteban Ocon, because obviously I think, um, you know, he's right up there really with Sainz and the clerk, in my opinion, or at least has the potential to be, um, if only he was given the chance. And uh, as everyone else seems to be given the chance, it seems like he, uh, you know, might be left without a drive even or something like that, um, if Renner do pull out. But uh, we'll have to see. Yeah, I definitely agree on that front. And raising the point of Renault's commitment to Formula One, only a few hours ago, we actually got news of Nissan Europe, which is essentially Renault in all but name, uh, massively reducing their capacity um, when it comes to factories. So the amount of money going into the uh, R&D side of Renault is certainly diminishing, and that will hit the engine department back in France before it hits the uh, Enstone F1 team. So Ricardo's definitely timed his exit perfectly. Um, I think McLaren is kind of a good environment for a driver with Ricardo's experience because besides Lando Norris, we haven't really seen McLaren be a friendly place for an inexperienced driver. And it's only when a more experienced driver has come in that they've really flourished at the team, I would say. Uh, But that does leave, of course, a vacancy at Renault. And who do we think is going to get it? To be honest, I think it's got to be Guan Yu Zhou. It's got to be a time to make the most of their driver academy program and promote someone from within. If they don't, 
perhaps it's time to ask what is the point? Why are they bothering with it if they're not going to let this talent move up and have a chance? And then perhaps if Joe moves up, they could then put Christian Lundgaard into his role, which he currently has as test driver, maybe. So you're just moving the order up ever so slightly. Yeah, I think I think now is a good time to shamelessly plug the uh, the feature that I wrote at the start of the year, um, asking this very question. Really, uh, what is the point of having the the driver academy program when you're not actually going to do anything with it? Um, uh, with some names like Alonso, Bottas, and so and, and Vettel as well, um, touted for for this Renault drive, but why not promote from within? Um, Guan Yu Zhou is a very very good driver. Um, I don't think Christian Lungard is quite there yet. If if Joe can uh, to take the title this year in F2, then which I, I think he's very much capable of doing, um, definitely would be um, the perfect reward for him. Um, obviously, he'd be the first Chinese driver as well, and China's got to be a huge market for 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 the Renault family, if you will. So that'd be some good PR for them. Um, and I think Renault needs to stop thinking of itself as this absolutely huge F1 team that can justify going for an Alonso or someone like that, but needs to think about continue, continuing to build, um, which is something that they really should have been you know, on top of by now. Um, this is what, year four or five of their, their supposed five-year programme? five-year plan that they came in um, came in with when they re- returned as a manufacturer and well the results still aren't there yeah I think it'd be a mistake to go with Alonso definitely um, it's a, a pretty much a waste of money in my opinion um, when like you said they should go for a youngster but I actually think they should go for Christian Lungard I do actually rate him um, you know higher than, than Joe um, even though he's only had three years of uh, car racing experience it's been a really really good record and of course, you will have the hopefully the, the 2020 season as well in Formula Two, in ART, you know, in the car or uh, the sister car to what uh, you know Nick DeFries won the championship in, uh, and of course George Russell, George Russell as well. So I'd actually go for for Lungard for that one. But I think if they're going to pick between the youngsters, they should just wait until the end of the year and just let the Formula Two season play out, or at least the majority of it. See who's better out of the two of them, um, considering Lungard's, you know. Uh, more inexperienced as well. And then just basically pick the best one out of the two of them, I think is probably the best way to go. Unfortunately, though, I actually think they're not going to do that. And I think they actually might ignore their, their, their driver academy, unfortunately, and go for someone like Bottas. Or they basically have the pick of the grid other than the top teams, you know. I'm pretty sure, like, for example, both the Haas drivers will go there. Um, both the Torossa drivers, someone like Pierre Gasly or something, they could get in. They might worry, I think, because Ocon has obviously been out of the sport um, for obviously a year. And obviously he's back in this year he's not too experienced himself um so i am a bit worried that they actually might go for, for someone else and if they had to go for someone else i'd like it to be gasly um but i feel like they might go for someone like bottas yeah i, I pretty much agree with josh there gasly would be a very good pick and i would like them to see the, the f2 season play out before they make the decision but it's highly unlikely going off f2 test pace as well um you've got teams like prima and virtuosi that don't look particularly quick whereas ART does look very strong so it's highly likely that Guan Yuzhou will have to do a very good job to be in title contention but Lundgaard's going to have the car to fight straight away um, 
And if they do make a decision too early, and let's say they did pick one of their juniors, the F2 season may provide a completely different result to, to what they were expecting. Um, but thinking of that, if um, let's say they did take a, one of their juniors, that means at Alfa Romeo Racing, there's still uh, a Ferrari-owned seat. And Antonio Giovinazzi is in his second season there. 2021 would be his third, but I, I don't see him keeping that seat. So do we think Ferrari could promote someone into one of the Alfa Romeo seats too? It's very tricky. It could even just depend on the move of Kimi Raikkonen. Could he retire at the end of the year? We know he said in the past that Formula One's effectively a hobby for him. If he does leave, it could then just allow Giovinazzi to stay somehow and then promote somebody like Mick Schumacher or Robert Schwartzman. We know Schwartzman's been very, very impressive in his junior career. But it's just Giovinazzi is sort of crux to this problem. He's not going to want to be a midfield driver forever, is he? But there's no chance for promotion at Ferrari now at the moment. The clerk block in to end of 2024 and possibly on at least a couple of new deals. So, could Kimi Raikkonen now be the key in this silly season driver market? Yeah, I, I think um, Kimi is probably the, the next big name to, to really announce what, what, what he's doing or not doing um, next year. I'd honestly be really surprised if he carries on. Um, but the, uh, yeah, uh, obviously the the situation at Alfa Romeo is a little bit complex because you do have one Ferrari owned seat and one Sauber owned seat, if you will. Um, and if <clears throat> excuse me, if, if Giovinazzi does have a, a strong enough twenty twenty, then he could slot into the the Sauber owned seat at Alfa Romeo, and um, the Ferrari seat could be taken by a, um, a Ferrari junior um, like a Schwarzman or a Schumacher. Um, I'd obviously prefer to see the the better performing driver get the seat, but that might not necessarily be the case because of certain last names. Um, I, I reckon. Uh, I, I I think that I think that um, I, I can't see any any other drivers moving from another team into into um, Alfa Romeo unless like Giovinazzi does have an absolute nightmare of a, a second season and Raikkonen does uh, decide to hang up his helmet. Yeah, I think it's... In which case, we could have both... Uh, we could have both um, Schwartzman and Schumacher on the grid. Yeah, to be honest, if I was in charge of Alfa Romeo, I'd clear the deck, definitely. Um, you know, Raikkonen will be 41 by the time of the next season. And Giovinazzi, as much as I love him, and he was GP2 year, was absolutely great. He just wasn't good enough last year. Um if he can hook it up for next year, or for this year rather, um, you know, it will be good to see and he will deserve a seat. But um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just got rid of both their drivers, to be honest. Um, and an all, all junior lineup would be great. But again, I'm not sure if Alfa Romeo will do that because although they are a Ferrari B team in a way, you know, they're not owned by them um, and they can make their own decisions. And I'm not sure an all rookie lineup going into new regulations would be the best thing or the year before new regulations would be the best thing. So. We'll see on that one. Um, I think Marcus Armstrong as well is another name we definitely have to mention. Obviously, he's alongside Lungard in Formula 2. He's going to be right up there. For me, I mean, Schwartzman, Armstrong and Vips are kind of the best youngsters outside of um, F1, in my opinion. Lungard's definitely up there as well. Um, you know, for me, like someone like Joe just really isn't in that same class. Like They um, they might get to F1, but for me, they're just not on that, that same level as 
those four that I mentioned. Um, another possible thing as well that obviously, say Schumacher gets a seat, um, then you know someone like Armstrong or Schwartzman, one of those two, will probably have to leave the driver academy, and then perhaps someone like Red Bull, who might get rid of both Gasly and Fiat, might be looking at Vips and Armstrong, for example. You know they have a quite a long history of battling, and maybe. Red Bull might swoop in there and and pick one of the scraps, you know, or even someone like Mick Schumacher, if for whatever reason he doesn't get the Alfa Romeo seat, maybe someone else will see that marketing. Maybe someone like Williams would think, you know, let's get that that surname in. And he's obviously, you know, Formula 3 champion as well, so not too bad. Elliot, what do you think of all that? I'm very tempted to say that Alfa Romeo will go for experience, given the last Ferrari driver to leave very happily went to Alfa Romeo Racing, Jimmy Raikkonen. Why can't Sebastian Vettel very happily oh, go no. back to a team he started his career at? <laughs> no. it, it's a small team, but I mean, if you look at the no- big name drivers that have raced there later in their careers, you don't see drivers leaving that team feeling like sour about their time there. Uh, and even Nico Hulkenberg, when he was there for one year, he only really left for contractual reasons, to say, um, in where they were in the manufacturer standings. So I think Hulkenberg could go there next year. I think Vettel could. I think Bottas potentially could from Mercedes. Um, I think maybe Schwartzman. If, if Schumacher is good enough to get to F1, I think another team will take him. If he's that valuable to F1, then another team will pay to have him. That's my bet. But also, like you mentioned, Toro Rosso. I can't see Kvyat and Gasly staying there much longer either. Yeah, I mean, Vettel to, come on, Elliot, Vettel to Alfa Romeo, surely not. I mean, Hulkenberg went there and, and he could show up Esteban Gutierrez. And if Vettel could go up against Gutierrez, I'm sure he would. But if he's going up against someone like Robert Schwartzman, you know, who wants their final year in F1 to be, or the final two years, to be shown up by, you know, Schwartzman or shown up by a youngster? Like, I just, I can't, can't see it, to be honest. Like, he left Ferrari because he didn't want to be a number two to Leclerc. You know, he couldn't get that equal footing he wanted in his contract, apparently. So I, I just can't see him going to, to Alfa Romeo, but I don't know. Greg, for example, what do you reckon? Do you reckon, uh, you know, how's this going to shake out? Uh, I, I, I'd be very, very surprised if Vettel rocks up at Alfa Romeo, um, that's for sure. I'll be even more surprised if Gutierrez rocks <laughs> up there. Um, as, as I, I kind of forgot that he uh, sort of had a Form 1 career for a, for a brief moment. Um, yeah, I... I oh. That's a tough one to tell, but I think Alfa Romeo is like one of the um, like the the cloudiest pictures of all. Um, you could probably throw Haas in as well uh, into that mix because, good God, it's about time they uh, they they shook their line. Yeah, twenty seventeen, right? Uh, it was they've been there since. Uh, well, this will be five years. Twenty twenty one will be there, or twenty twenty will be their fifth year, I think, together. That's that's way too much. Yeah. So, so uh, I'd honestly be amazed if there, there aren't more more movers and shakers. Um, I can I can I can see an experienced head alongside a, a rookie Alfa Romeo, but it's just a case of which experienced head and which which rookie it is. Um, for all we know, Mercedes might decide to to shaft Bottas, which puts him on the table is a very valuable asset to to any Formula One team. So. Uh, you know that that could happen. You know, Nico Hulkenberg's floating around still. You know, you've got all sorts of um, drivers up and down the grid who, who could um, who could turn up there. I think that's not like the best seat in the in the world. Obviously, it's in, it's in in the midfield, but um, it's definitely a nice 
seat to have. Um, what do you think, Rachel? They could either clear the decks completely come 2021 and just get rid of it. Probably would give Gunter a little bit less stress, maybe. But don't forget, they've also got Fittipaldi waiting in the wing. Could he come in at some point, maybe next year or the year after, even? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure what is what his um, super license status is, but uh, that that that'll be a we could have a situation where we've got a Schumacher and a Fittipaldi on the grid again. Uh, it'd be like 1994. I think, I think sports cars is going to have Schumacher, Alesi, Fittipaldi. Uh, all the surnames are going to end up there, I think, to be honest, um, in 2022. Yeah, and, and I guess there's IndyCar as well. That's IndyCar has become a, a very attractive route, alternative route, especially that if it's true that like Jensen Button wants to do it and pretty much anyone linked to McLaren, it's uh, I think drivers could be more tempted towards that. And I think reading back at the F2 test times, you have drivers like Luca Giotto and Nobuhari Matsushita who are very experienced and look like they're going to be the two quickest guys this year, which kind of ruins the narrative of having these young, inexperienced guys coming in and showing up those guys. So it's I think the earlier these teams make these decisions, the worse it's going to be for them. I think they've got to leave it as late as possible to, to let things play out while they sign drivers. Yeah, it could be quite embarrassing. Mm. The problem with that, though, is the, the problem with that, though, is um, they could be uh, the, those seats could be could fill up pretty quickly. Um, for all we know, the um, the whole driving market in Formula One could be sorted by the by the time we actually go racing. So you can't leave it too late in, in that regard, but you, you don't want to you know do it too early as well and have a situation where you, you sign a driver and then they, they totally go off the boil. Yeah, because you've got to... Well, it's like Renault, surely. Rachel, do you think that R- Renault will probably have the sort of power? Because that's probably the, the sort of yeah, Desi, isn't it, left? Because you've got to remember, teams generally probably have a bit of a short-term memory, to be honest, at the moment. So the longer they wait for the 2020 season to get under the way, drivers could be just gone. You know, they could just say, I've had enough waiting, I'm going elsewhere. True, true, yeah. And I guess if... The, if there's no racing going on, but the factories are allowed to reopen sooner and get in the sim, you could sign your 2021 driver now, who may be an F2, get them on the sim, doing all the, the new modelling for next year's car, get them basically driving that car every day. And then when you actually sign them up proper for F1, they're, they're basically factory made ready. Yeah, definitely. I think there's going to be this could definitely be one of the most exciting Formula Two seasons ever. If there's actual sort of F1 seats on the line, um, it could make it quite interesting. Yeah, I, I think Mick Schumacher holds the the cards, and that he doesn't have to stay at Ferrari. His his pulling power and name alone will bring him to any F1 team he wants. I expect. Yeah, definitely. I, I can see that. <laughs> I think there could be a lot of graduates, can't they? Realistically, I think there's a, a lot of F1 talent on the on the F2 grid this year. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I don't think it'll be quite like the the 2010 season where we had about like six or seven drivers graduate from from GP2 into F1. Uh, obviously, because there were many more seats readily available with the the back market, the new back markers, if you will. Um, but it, it 
that we could well have a situation where um, several several drivers do graduate up, um, and this comes off the back of uh, a year where we've only had one graduate from Formula Two into to Formula One in Nicholas Latifi. Yeah, already... So Sorry, they've already missed out on Nick DeVries, haven't they, to Formula E? So they need to make sure they're keeping their eyes on Formula Two because some of these champions, like Bruce, they did deserve a promotion to Formula One. Yeah, some of these top names are definitely going to miss out, aren't they? Like, there's not there's not enough seats for all of them. So, you know, someone like I think Marcus Armstrong, someone like him, is going to be a victim because they don't have that big name backing, or they're not backed by like SMP, for example. So, I think someone like him is going to like have to win the championship, really, or going to have to get like a top three. Um, but like Elliot said, I think if, if they're not going to get in Formula One, then they could easily, I think, get a top uh, a top seat somewhere else for sure. Okay, what about like Racing Point, which would then become Aston Martin? Do they really want to hold on to Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll? Um, although they bring in money, they're not like huge, huge names. They could do with someone like Vettel. And then you've got teams like Williams where they are kind of dependent on the money that Tifu's bringing in. But that's only for one year. And you've got people like Dan Tickton and Roy Nassani. They not get super licenses, but they're, they're all right talents. They're well, you can't put the them in the same two. <laughs> you can't mention them in the same sentence. Today they've got Roy Nassani in Formula Renault 3.5 was brilliant. His, his race runs were so good. He was just let down by occasional errors of judgment. <laughs> yeah. Tickton, just Tickton like Tickton. Occasional time. errors of judgment. Yeah, but Tickton doesn't change <laughs> his driving style to the car he's in. And that's his biggest flaw, in, in my opinion. Was Nassani complaining that the car had too much grip? <laughs> yeah. But Nassani is a long-term investment, whereas Latifi is very much a... We need, yeah. a, we need someone to pay for this seat for this I, year. I like the so idea Williams of, will definitely have a vacancy. I like the idea of Schumacher at Williams, just because of all the years of uh, the team fighting against, you know, Michael. I mean, obviously they had Ralph, didn't they? So I guess it would uh, be like a second Schumacher there. But they've also managed yeah. to bag Jack Aiken off Renault, who, who was in their Dorova programme for a good number of years as well. So... Jack Aitken, even? Yeah. Jack Aitken back to Renault. I think that could definitely be on the card for 2021. If, if he does well in F2 and he has a sponsorship, cool. Renault knows how good he is. Now Williams knows how good he is as well. I think Renault would be very happy to have him back. If Renault thought he was that good in the first place, would they have let him go on? Yes. Because he didn't bring in that much money. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. This is the problem. This is the problem, isn't it? it? There's going to be like someone like Aiken's going to finish like eleventh in the championship, and they're not even like the, you know, they're like a really good driver, and there's just so much quality this year. But someone quite good is is even isn't even going to finish in the top ten. Yeah, and then you have got teams like Carlin, which look insanely quick on one lap pace with Sonoda and Daravala, who are Red Bull's future, supposedly, but their race pace does not look good. Uh, for this year, so they're probably not going to have good seasons in general. Yeah, it's like, what, what do you guys think about Sonoda in terms of Torosso? We talked a bit about them earlier. Other than Vips, who do we think could be going to to Torosso? Uh, Rachel, do you have any uh, any ideas of who could be going there? It's so tricky. I just Vips is still in my mind. It's just the one they need to take. Really, he's probably the one who's closest in terms of super license points, isn't he? I think so. He's had a bit of Super Formula time, which I know is this sort of holding ground they've made until they can try and get something to Formula One. It might be the time to come and just refresh the lineup again, but maybe they need an experienced head just to take them into the new regulations, maybe. 
rather than completely just having two rookies like we were saying with Alpha. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone will be signing for Toro Rosso because Toro oh, Rosso doesn't yeah. exist anymore. I'll rip Toro Rosso. Uh, <laughs> I want Toro Rosso. I refuse to call it that. <laughs> the 2020, 2020 season hasn't started yet, so it's still Toro Rosso. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, well, Alpha Tauri's driver situation is definitely going to be a, an interesting subplot as well, I think. Um, I think Kvyat has rebounded quite well from um, from his ob- ob- obviously difficult situation after being demoted by Red Bull. He rebounded quite well last year, so I, I think he could pop up elsewhere on the grid, somewhere like a, a Haas, if they do completely clear the decks. Um and if Gasly is the one that ends up moving to Renault, um, then th- they will have a situation where they, they need to, to find some drivers. Uh, obviously, Red Bull hasn't had uh, the, the easiest of times recently when it ca- comes to, to finding drivers to fill these seats. Um, so they do kind of need to have a, a, a Vips and a Tsunoda both ready, I think, um, to, to, to hop in. Um, I've, I've not quite 100% convinced about Daravala, but I thought he had a really strong um, 2019. I've forgotten <laughs> what year we're in. Um, yeah, 2019. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Vip, Vips is obviously top of the, the table in that one. And then I think Sunoda is um, immediately behind, obviously, the Honda. The Honda uh, higher-ups will be pressuring Red Bull to, to get a Japanese driver in, into one of those cars, and he's uh, the most likely candidate. Yeah, I, th- I think Honda does have the, the, the paying power there to put the driver in at least one of those AlphaTauri seats. And especially, I think it's year three of their partnership now. Uh, and having said that, Gasly was pretty much the instigator of Toro Rosso and Honda actually joining together because of his Super Formula campaign and the working relationship between him and Japan. So if I was AlphaTauri, I wouldn't want to lose Gasly and... I also, he'd be a lot more experienced by the end of 2020 as well. At the same time, for a driver like Daravala, having an Indian driver in F1, that's you know good press. Eurovips, Estonia, that's a, a new market. Sonoda uh, is obviously Japanese. You've got Honda Spy. I think all of them could be in there for commercial reasons as well as talent ones. And that almost puts Red Bull in an envious position because if they know it's Verstappen and... I've already forgotten who's in the second Albon. Uh, Alex Albon is like, there's a Albon. long-term future at Red Bull. Then they really can just use Alpatori to sell clothes or whatever the, the brand is. But is that's the question, though, isn't it? Is Alexander <laughs> Albon um, good enough to compete with Sainz, Leclerc, Hamilton, Bottas, Vettel? Difficult question. Because this could be another sort of wild card, couldn't it? If it depends uh, on the 2020 think... season and there could be another seat at Craig possibly for, for 2021 at Red Bull and I guess extension then. Who gets that one? Does Gasly get it? Does someone else get it? Yeah. Uh, oh, Christ. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really difficult situation. Um, I think it's a, a case of wait and see with Albon. Um, very difficult to judge his, uh, his rookie campaign. Um having had very little preparation and obviously the mid-season switch, but um, he, he really impressed uh, quite a lot of people um, with, with, you know, when he made that um, mid-season switch. So it's a case of, case of wait and see with him. 
But if things do go downhill pretty quickly, then Red Bull will have to to think about re-promoting one of the drivers that it previously Vessel. deemed wasn't good enough. I really can't see Vettel deciding that he didn't want to be against the clerk, <laughs> so we'll go up against Verstappen instead. I really can't see that happening. Elliot, what do you think about the impact for below Formula 2 level? Does this help them or not? You know, say you're in like Formula 3 now or you're in you're a Formula Open. Do you see this as an opportunity or do you see it as a way that I know all the talent's now going in and then it will kind of be set because there'll be so much young talent in F1 in a couple of years. There's not going to be much room for some new talent. Yeah, I, it's going to be complex because with the current crisis as well, how you negotiate contracts and the clauses you put in. So say, for example, this season it was almost off the cards for a while and now it's going to be heavily delayed. Um, and there were talks of it ending in January next year. Do contracts cover going into seasons or going versus years? And that's going to, if you're signing a long-term one, that's going to change things. I think at the F3 level, it's more going to be joining junior teams. I already know of a driver in FIA F3 who does have an F1 junior deal, but it hasn't been publicly announced. And that is because of crisis going on at the moment and because the, the team itself is signing, well, it is one of the teams we've been talking about, it's signing drivers. Its plans have changed, but it had already put a contract on the table with this driver. So opportunity-wise, I don't think it's going to change much, but certainly when it comes to putting pen to paper as a junior and then almost when you are racing in F2 and F3 as well, it's going to change pretty much how you write things down and what money you're putting on the table at what points, because obviously you're paying installments in the junior formula and people may be more hesitant to join a junior team because a lot of them do charge. So all round a negative, I think, especially when someone like Vettel is, when you've got Ricardo who's left Red Bull, Vettel who's left Ferrari, and I guess Mercedes has kept its drivers happy, but you've got two of the big teams with two of the biggest junior teams that haven't been able to promote their talent properly and have basically lost two of their biggest talents as well. And that's not a sign of confidence, is it? Yeah, and Rachel, for example, um, like McLaren, for example, like do they have? They don't really have many people in the pipeline, do they? So is someone like them a bit um, not screwed for the future, but sort of in need of signing someone pretty quickly to compete with the likes of Ferrari and, and Red Bull? Quite possibly. Well, maybe they need to actually establish an actual proper program because they've never really had one, have they? They've had guys like Kevin Magnussen, Stoffel Van Dorn, of their Nick Degrees previously as well, just sort of on their book. Lando too as well for a bit but not a proper actual program like say Ferrari have Red Bull have as well could this now be the time to say we need to think of the future eventually because Daniel Ricciardo is not going to stick around forever establish a program to be prepared for the future if we want to seriously fight with Red Bull Ferrari they're already been promoted Charles Leclerc was part of their driver program and he's made his way up to the top team so they got to think of the future, McLaren. Yeah, McLaren could do more. Yeah, but they've got their IndyCar team now. They've got their cycling team. Where the the facilities they have at the McLaren Technology Center could be used for the Young Drivers Development Program. They've basically expanded its usage for every member of the factory. Like, if you work for McLaren, you get access to all the facilities the drivers get access to. 
the IndyCar guys are now traveling over. Well, obviously not traveling over now, but Pato and Oliver Askew, they've been to Woking once or twice. They've been through the, the kind of F1 paces. And I think long term, they are looking at the IndyCar side as a way of pushing talent through to F1. Problem is, super license points decide everything these days. And when you're not in the best IndyCar team, you're unlikely to get a super license. So they've almost wasted Pato and Oliver there if they do want them in F1 in the long term. Uh, they've lost Sergio Sotokamara to Red Bull, and that was rather telling as well. I think if they do want talent, and now the fact that they are tied to Mercedes again as an engine partner for next year, they might as well cooperate with Mercedes and work with guys like George Russell and uh, Kimi Andrea Antonelli and Alex Powell, who are both in karting, because they're talents that have already been picked out by the engine supplier. And even if Mercedes isn't an F1 team, by the time those two are F1 ready, if they're still supplying engines to teams like McLaren, then it's good to get them on board now. Obviously, McLaren and Mercedes uh, collaborated in bringing a certain Lewis Hamilton through the ranks in the late 90s and early 2000s. So they've got, they've got good history in that regard. Um, well, they've got mixed history as well, because uh, obviously uh, Kevin Magnussen and Stoffel Van Dorn too um, were, were part of that. But they had very different uh, times at McLaren, let's put it that way. Josh, what do you make of uh, the idea of McLaren and Mercedes collaborating and uh, bringing... Well, I think it's a good idea. If Mercedes' future in particular is under threat, then um, McLaren have perhaps positioned themselves to sort of be in a good position there to basically become the, the leading Mercedes team and, and sort of be a works team again almost. Um, so that, that might be quite a smart idea. Um, I think also they should definitely be looking at you know, someone like Marcus Armstrong if he doesn't get an F1 seat, if he leaves Ferrari. They need to be in there snapping him up. Um, there's no shame, I don't think, in running like a Mercedes Junior in their team. You know, if they're going to be really talented, I think it's worth it, even if, you know, you do lose them after a couple of years. If Mercedes aren't going to be an F1, then they're going to be sort of staying there at McLaren. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're all right for now. They've got obviously Norris and Ricardo, so they'll be okay, but they just need to, to keep an eye out, really. And, and uh, yeah, perhaps they don't even need a young child program. You know, Rachel, does, does every team really need one? Perhaps they can just sort of look around and, and get different people you know like they did with um Sergio Perez for example they can just be sort of that team that just sort of you know picks up people who are perhaps not attached to other teams yeah you probably don't need every team to have a driver development program but obviously with such heritage from McLaren you know it's, it's also a draw isn't it to be part of their program you know like we've joined the Ferrari Driver Academy it's becoming part of a massive team that's got such heritage in Formula One so even if they don't have one, maybe they should just have somebody just like they're keeping an eye on somebody like they did with Perez, who was obviously a former member of the Ferrari Driver Academy. And then obviously they poached him. Unfortunately, lasted a year before he then moved across to now become Racing Point. And obviously former Red Bull drivers, obviously Carlos Sainz now, you know, Danny Ricciardo. Um, obviously Verstappen actually at Red Bull so they've got quite a lot of talent haven't they even if it's not all at Red Bull a lot of uh, former Red Bull drivers are, are going to be at the front of the grid in 2021 yeah Red, Red Bull basically has its fingerprints all over F1 and all over wider motorsport and 
I guess it's telling that Red Bull have gone to Japan. Obviously, they have the Honda engine supply, but they've gone to Japan with Super Formula with their juniors, and McLaren has looked at IndyCar and establishing a presence there. And Ferrari has its GT team, but you don't really put young... Oh, actually, they did put Giovinazzi there, but it's not a way to get talent through. So maybe it's not just the point of having a young driver program, but it's just having opportunities outside of F1 that they can then open up to by having a link to an F1 team, and which is certainly what other F1 teams have done, such as Renault, where they haven't been able to offer F1 drives, but they've been part of like the, the road shows and the demos for, for years. And even guys that like Red Bull, they end up driving up the Himalayas and weird stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it's being part of an F1 team can lead to many things besides an actual race seat. I think that sums up everything for today. Next week, we've got a very special interview with Max Chilton, a former Formula One driver and IndyCar star. He'll be talking all about his career and what he has planned next. I don't think it's a return to F1, but it'll be exciting all the same. Uh, so that's goodbye from me. Adios. Goodbye. Bye.